I would like to welcome you to Dynamic Web Church today. I believe you're going to be blessed, touched and encouraged by the message of grace that God has laid upon my heart. Today we're going to speak on righteousness. Righteousness by faith and not by your works. Different types of righteousnesses, if you can use that word, that there is in the Bible because there's righteousness in the Old Testament. There was righteousness before the law of Moses. Um, there was a righteousness after the law of Moses. And then there was the righteousness of God when, when of, of God given to us by Jesus Christ. And then the righteousness of the Pharisees. What that was and how all of that works. Amen. But I would like to welcome all the first time viewers of Dynamic Web Church. What an honor to have you here. You know, it's, it's such a blessing to have you. I would like you to just know that you can relax and enjoy what we're going to do today. We're going to have some worship in a couple of minutes and man, it is so powerful. It is, every time I listen to those songs, it blesses me. It touches my heart. Hallelujah. So you can be ready for that. We're going to speak a little bit about finances today. And um, not that we're going to take up an offering. That's not the vision. The vision is just to share with you and teach you uh, in the message of grace when it comes to money. So that we can prosper by grace and not by our works. We are not into the sowing and reaping, tithing type of thing. We're into what Jesus Christ has done for us. Hallelujah. Isn't that so awesome and powerful to know that He has liberated us to be com- completely free from fear. To be completely free from all these obligations and rules and regulations. We're also going to show you one of the miracles that we've had in Kalbaskral, about 15-20 kilometers from where we live. And man, this was just such an awesome miracle. I want you to just have a look at this. It's, it's going to bless you. But before all of that, let's just open up by reading a very powerful scripture. And I've read it a couple of times uh, with the opening of Web Church on a Sunday. And this is what it says. It says, The Lord your God is in the midst of you. Okay, it's Zephaniah 3.17. It says, The Lord your God is in the midst of you. A mighty one. A Savior who saves. Now that is just an awesome thought to know that the Lord your God. It doesn't say the Lord the God of Brits. It says the Lord your God. Hallelujah. And it's also the Lord my God. So right here in the studio where I'm seated now, preaching the gospel to you, the Lord my God is in my midst. And the same way you are listening to this, maybe with your wife or a friend or two, maybe you're alone watching this on your laptop, sitting somewhere, just ready to hear the word of God. Um, The Lord your God is right there with you. And I think what we must do is just close our eyes for a moment and just experience the presence of God. Now, the way we experience the presence of God is by closing our eyes and just thinking, the Lord my God is right here with me. Hallelujah. Now, just keep your, 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 your eyes closed for a moment and just listen to these words. Listen to this. A mighty one, a Savior who saves. He will rejoice over you with joy today. He will rest in silent satisfaction. And in His love, He will be silent and make no mention of past sins or even recall them. He will exult over you with singing. Man, that is so powerful. Just experience that presence of God. Now look at me. Let's just read this again. The Lord your God is in the midst of you. A mighty one. A Savior who saves. He will rejoice over you with joy. 
You know, so many times we think that God rejoices over us because, you know, He decided to forgive us and now, you know, He's rejoicing over us. But He's not really rejoicing because He knows about all the bad things that we are still doing. Now listen to this. He says, He will rejoice over you with joy. There will be true joy inside Him. He will not rejoice over you just with thoughts. He's not going to rejoice over you just in His mind. He's going to rejoice over you with joy. There's going to be great joy and a manifestation of joy over you. And this, Now listen to this. He will rest in silent satisfaction. Amen. Now, silent satisfaction. You know, when you are so satisfied about something that your mind just rests, where you just feel, I feel at peace, I feel at rest, I feel the power of God's upon me. Man, everything is fine. Everything is okay. Now, that type of rest, in silent satisfaction, you're so satisfied that you're just quiet. Now, that is, you'll be quiet when it comes to your sins because He is satisfied to the point that He is. there's nothing more to say about your sins for Jesus Christ's sacrifice satisfied the wrath of God for sin. Amen. Now, let's read it again. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will rest in silent satisfaction. And in His love, He will be silent and make no mention of past sins or even recall them. Man, that is so powerful. He will exalt over you with singing. So I would just like to say to you today that the Lord God exalts over you with singing. He exalts over you with joy. You know, He's not just going to say, well, I rejoice a little bit. No, the Lord God sings over you. Now, that is something that we can only imagine. Can you ever think that God is so pleased with you, He loves you so much, that He's in your presence right now, never thinking of your sins, never making mention of past sins, never recalling them, and rejoicing over you with singing because all the wrath that there was ever towards sin has been, I mean the wrath of God has been satisfied in Jesus. There's no little wrath saying, well I'm not satisfied, a little bit more punishment for this one or that sin or this guy. No, no. God is satisfied with the work of Jesus Christ. When He looks at you, He is satisfied. And He says, I will rejoice over you with singing. Man, that is awesome. Have you ever just closed your eyes and in the Spirit just listened and hear a song that God sings about you? Man, that's awesome. Imagine you can know that God sings a song about you that comes out of a heart of abundance of joy. Man, that is too high for a carnal or a law-based mind. One can never think with a law-based mind that God will be so happy about me that He will sing about me. You know, when we think of salvation, we think of what Jesus done, or when we have received a nice blessing or true peace out of the Scriptures, we walk and sing. We sing songs unto God because there's joy in our heart. We make merry in our heart because we worship Him. We sing towards Him. Not that I'm saying, and, and listen to me carefully, in the same way, when God thinks about us, it brings so much joy to Him. And what, one of the ways of expressing joy is singing. And that is what He does when He thinks of you today. And I just read this once more. It says, The Lord your God is in the midst of you, a mighty one, a Savior who saves. 
He will rejoice over you with joy and He will rest in silent satisfaction and in His love He will be silent and make no mention of past sins or even recall them. He will exalt over you with singing. Man, hallelujah. Now, I just believe that will just bring peace to your mind as we go into this service today. Hallelujah. God is a good God. God's a God of love. God's a God of blessing. Amen. Now, we're going to quickly just look at a miracle. And after that miracle, we're just going to worship God. And I I believe through this miracle, you're just going to see the powerful, powerful power of God that has been manifested in the life of a person through what Jesus Christ has done upon the cross. This was not because I am something special in my works. This is simply because God's power is special and His love for people is special. I'm not broadcasting this to show to you that I've done a miracle. I'm just broadcasting this so that we can share in the joy of what God has done. And I also believe that by looking at this, it can inspire you to listen to the Word of God today and know that it can bring faith in your heart so that you can also be healed. Let's have a look at this. He says that he has a a problem with his legs, so I told him, let's just first see how you walk. And you can see he limps towards his right side, and um, this was because of a tractor that just uh, ran over him ten years ago. And, um, And he says that he walks like that since he's been run over by the tractor ten years ago. God gives you power in your body and there where the tractor has damaged your body uh, He brings you healing and He restores you completely Told him to walk You can see he's still limping a little bit but he's walking much better I just asked the people how that looks to them Called him back Oh, there's a remarkable difference um, in the way he walks. And that was the best he's been walking for 10 years. No, what's the doctor? What is fault? When last did you run? I don't know. How many years ago? More than 10 years. He hasn't been running at all. Just asking the Father for a complete miracle in his hip that he will be able to run. Do you think you'll be able to run? Do you feel power? Yes. Okay, run. Let's see. The people were very excited about this because they know him very well in that town and um, they, they know that he could not run at all. He struggled to walk. Just telling him that God loves him, God cares for him and just 
thank you, thanking God there that he um, got healed. The one night he came back and he complained a bit that his one leg was still feeling a little bit short and the other one causing pain if he walks too much, a little bit of pain. And um, so I prayed for him and here he said that, the, and, and it grew out, it became the same length and here you can see he's walking perfectly. There's running, you can even see that he is limping a little bit towards the left side because the right leg feels so much longer than the left one because when we prayed God just made those two legs the same length and uh, when they gave him uh, worked on his hip the one was shorter than the other one and that's just an awesome, awesome miracle Man, isn't that awesome? You can just see the joy of God on that man's face. To think that he could not even walk properly, but there he was running. Man, that is awesome. That is just so, so powerful. And I want to tell you another thing. We've had a a team of people with us there, and they would lay hands on the sick as well the last two nights, two, three nights. They saw miracle signs and wonders themselves. And it was so awesome to have a cell group the next week and to just hear... Uh, from the people what they've got to say about the crusade they couldn't stop to talk they were just flooded with joy and power and amazement to know that God uses them hallelujah there was one guy that said he was so shocked when Vessel asked him uh, to come and pray for the sick he was man I think he never thought that he would ever be ready to do something like that now that could just be out of my mind now my brother if you're watching God bless you and I love you um but it was just so awesome to see that. And I've seen it so many times. I remember when I preached in a, um, in a, in, in a place called Scottborough. I think we've got some of the miracles there. And there was a, a reverend there with us. And uh, we asked him to pray for somebody. And, and I don't think he was into this. We gave a teaching on how to heal the sick. He prayed for somebody. He laid his hands on a woman's hands that had arthritis. And her, her knuckles just had big knobs like that. She pray, he prayed for her. When he took his hands off... He, her hands were 100% normal. He was so shocked that he sat down and cried. He couldn't pray for any more people that night because he, he was so, God used him so powerfully. That lady was completely healed. What an awesome miracle. And that was the first miracle that man really saw uh, like laying on of hands in a crusade type of thing. Isn't that so awesome? That is exactly... Now, I don't say that he hasn't seen other miracles, but through his hands. That's what I think. I just saw the amazement in his eyes. He was crying. The power of God was going through him. So, I want to encourage you to, to just, um, when, when you see a sick person, pray for him. Lay hands upon him. If you can go to a crusade um, in your area, if you want to come to one of our crusades, you are more than welcome to do so. Contact us. We will tell you exactly when our next crusade is on. And you can come to us. If you're from South Africa especially, it will be so easy for you to do that. Hallelujah. Man, God is a good God that does miracles. Now we're going to go right into the worship. I would like you to just open your heart. We've got words on the screen now. Um, thank God for Elise Robler that, that's come from Canada working with us in the office now and uh, she's put this in for us. It just takes a lot of work off my shoulders. And man, I must say this. The office is really streamlined. 
everything's going so well. I can spend time in the Word of God and um, study the Word of God and prepare myself in order to preach the Gospel. Isn't that so awesome? Let's enjoy the worship. Wasn't that song just so, so awesome? It just touched my heart just to sing, Worthy is the Lamb, for the Lamb of God is worthy. He's the one that is worthy enough to save mankind. When He lived in this world, His life was holy enough to save you and me. Isn't that awesome? That is the Lamb of God that was worthy. You know, when I think of Jesus and I think of uh, the Jewish rituals that they went through when they brought a lamb and that lamb had to be slain on behalf of man and for the sin of man, the priest came and he inspected the lamb. A man would come, a sinful man, and he would bring the lamb before the priest and the priest would inspect the lamb and if the lamb was blameless... Then he would lay, the man would lay his hands on the lamb. It would speak of a transference of sin. And then he would be slaughtered. That lamb would be slaughtered. And the man would walk away forgiven. Because of the lamb and because he was sinless. And when the priest investigated the lamb, the man was not investigated. For everybody knew that the man had sinned. And so many times when we come before God, we want to investigate ourselves We want to look into our own lives. What have I done right? What have I done wrong? And that is not the way it is supposed to be. That is not what God has for us. God has got something much greater than that for us, than a life of just feeling scrutinized, investigated, always under this magnifying glass, thinking that God is inspecting us if we are humble enough, if we are holy enough, if we live good enough. No, the Lamb of God was under that magnifying glass. And he was found worthy. Worthy, holy, righteous. And then he was slain for us so that we could be forgiven. Isn't that awesome? So your forgiveness is not in your holy works. Your forgiveness is not in what you do for God. Your forgiveness is 100% in Jesus Christ. And that is activated and manifested in your life through faith. Believing in what Jesus has done for you. Without believing that, you will just find that you are not righteous. Righteousness is manifested through faith. And without faith, you are not made righteous. And I want you to know that. And I want everybody that listens to this today, and even if you find this later on in the archive, I speak as from a platform of, I'm speaking to Christians. I'm speaking to people who are believing People who know that by faith we've been made righteous. Because I might say things today that we have all been made righteous. And then you might suppose that I'm talking about the whole world, people not even believing. And talking about even Satan being made righteous. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm talking to people that believe. And that's a platform from where I speak. Well, today is Resurrection Sunday. Isn't that awesome to know that the Lamb of God that was slain was resurrected from the dead. Man, that is awesome. If you can know that Jesus was resurrected from the dead and you can know the power that there is in His resurrection, you will also experience that resurrection life in you and that's how you will walk in newness of life. Because of Jesus, because of His resurrection. We are not holy and continue in holiness because of our works before God. You know, so many times we've got a relationship with God based on what we do for God, based on um, 
how much we study the scriptures, how much we pray, and all of those things. Not that I say we are not supposed to pray, but our righteousness and our holiness is not determined by that. Our righteousness and our holiness is determined by what He's done for us in Jesus Christ and by His resurrection power. The reason why you will always be righteous before God if you're a believer is because of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Because He is seated at the right hand of the Father. You know, there are people that don't think that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is powerful. They think that everything only happened in the cross and that there's nothing in the resurrection. But let me tell you something, without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we would only have been forgiven. Our sins would have been forgiven, we would have been washed in the blood of Jesus, and that's it. But we would have been like, um, like a baby, uh, uh, or, or a woman that's, that, that conceives. And when, when she conceives, that's it. What, a, what then? That child must grow into something. And that's what the resurrection is all about. It's all about what we stand up into. When we died with Christ, we died to sin. We died to the law of Moses. We died to by what we do, we become. And all those type of things. But when Jesus was resurrected, we are resurrected into who He is today. So the more powerful His resurrection would be, the more powerful our resurrection will be when we are in Him. So the resurrection is so, so powerful. Now I want to read a scripture about the resurrection in um, Galatians. I didn't want to read this, but it just came to mind while I was just talking. Galatians chapter... Oh, sorry, Ephesians. Ephesians. Chapter 4. Which, which speaks about the gifts of, uh, um, of Jesus. Talking about the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers. But I want to just say something different about that and how those gifts came. Um, verse 7, it says, but unto, every man, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore, he says, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now, I want us to go to Psalm uh, 68 verse 18, where Paul takes that scripture from. And this is really going to bless you. Psalm 68 verse 18. It says, Thou hast ascended on high. Thou hast led captivity captive. Thou have received gifts for men. Now, listen to this. He says, You have ascended on high, speaking prophetically about Jesus. It says, Thou have led captivity captive. Now, captivity, the way I see captivity, is like the jail. And um, we, we were kept in the jail of the law. The jail of condemnation. The jail of guilt. Uh, the jail of by what we do, we become before God. We were kept in that jail, but when Jesus ascended on high, He forever took captive that law system. So He caught or arrested the system that was arresting people under guilt and condemnation. He caught all of that. And forever, hallelujah, in His resurrection, because that means that Jesus... Because he's a man, because he 
um, forever is a man resurrected and he will never die and that's why he will be our high priest forever and because he's a high priest forever it is simply meaning that forever we will not be under that law system forever we will not be under that condemnation system and that thing that says which is called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil which I believe is the law system we will never be under that ever again because Jesus was raised in righteousness according to the spirit of holiness in human flesh seated at the right hand of the Father and when He was raised the Bible says He received gifts for man so on behalf of us He received gifts and by the grace of God those gifts are manifesting in the lives of believers and some of them become and they become preachers some of them um, and according to Ephesians they become apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers so that the body of Christ could get the right doctrine about who Jesus is and about what the, uh, they are in Christ Hallelujah. So they can be mature through believing. Amen. Now, I don't want to confuse you with that. That was just a little bit more in depth. But uh, what I want to say here is this. That thou have ascended on high, thou have led captivity captive, thou have received gifts for men. Yes, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God may dwell among them. Isn't that awesome? So when Jesus was raised up out of the grave, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father, he received gifts, he received blessings, even for the rebellious. Now, I'm not talking about those rebelling against Christianity, I'm talking about those that are seen as rebellious according to the law. Those that has got sins today. So, I want to tell you, if you are a first-time visitor to Dynamic Web Church today, I want to tell you, if you've got sin in your lives, Jesus Christ was resurrected and He received gifts on your behalf that, man, that is ready to be manifested in your life as you believe His unconditional love, mercy and grace for you today. Man, isn't that so awesome? The resurrection of Jesus Christ is so, so powerful. When Jesus Christ stood up out of the grave, He stood up to be righteous forevermore without the ability to ever sin. But when Jesus was on the earth, he had the ability to, to sin. He had the ability to be tempted. He had the ability to fall. That's why Satan came in Matthew chapter 4 and he tempted him so that he would sin. And if Jesus would have sinned, then our sins wouldn't have been forgiven and we would have been in unrighteousness forevermore and never would we have been saved. But Jesus obeyed on our behalf when He walked this earth and after He obeyed on our behalf He took the punishment for our sin and then He was resurrected when He was resurrected He was He stood up out of death meaning that death has got no more power over Him and when He stood up out of death it means that death has got no more power over us now you might say but Bertie why are there still some people dying now I do believe that death has got certain parts to it number one death spiritually Death in our minds, death in our emotions, death in our relationship with God. Death has got so many aspects of which one is death in the physical body. And Jesus even overcame death in the physical body. And the Bible says clearly that when He returns, we shall receive immortal, undiable bodies. 
and those that are in the graves will even be resurrected out of the graves. They will receive new bodies. Those who are still in the earth then, alive then, will be changed into those immortal bodies and into the glory of God in their physical bodies. So Jesus Christ, because of His resurrection, we can stand up in newness of life today. You can stand up in newness concerning the way you think about yourself. You can stand up in newness concerning the way uh, you deal with people. You can just have newness of mind when it comes to you have sinned and done something wrong. You don't have to walk in condemnation all day long. You don't have to walk in unrighteousness and guilt every day, even if you've done something wrong. Because your righteousness is not based in what you've done, but it's based in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we're going to read some of that in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Hallelujah. So know this, that God received gifts for man, and He gave gifts unto man, even for the rebellious, so that He could be amongst them. Hallelujah. God's passion is to be amongst sinners. God's passion is to be amongst those that are not serving Him, so that they can also receive the gift of life. There are many gifts that He gave unto us, but the, which, of which the major one is the Holy Spirit. He's given us the Holy Spirit that indwells us. And out of the Spirit of God that indwells us, we find newness of life. The Spirit that indwells us today is the one that will um, glorify our mortal bodies into immortality at the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, but we've also received righteousness as a gift. We've also received faith as a gift. Hallelujah. And there are so many things that God wants to give to sinners which He received on their behalf in His resurrection. In the resurrection, Jesus Christ, on behalf of the whole world, received righteousness. On behalf of the whole world. Now, I just want to say this, and I hear two or three people asking a question just in my mind. Wasn't Jesus then righteous before He was resurrected? Of course Jesus was righteous. But that righteousness was then placed into immortal, undiable flesh that is seated at the right hand of the Father today, so that we forever can be righteous if we are in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That we can never be afraid of Satan or the devil or anything like that. Where we will never have to worry about devils and demons over towns and over cities and and those type of things. Because we can know that we are the light of the world. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says, you are the light of the world. Because the light of Jesus has enlightened us and because the true light lives in us and shines through us. Amen. Man, that is so, so powerful. And that's all in the resurrection. Now, today I actually want to speak on righteousness, but let's just finish what's in my heart. It says in uh, verse 1, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin, live any longer therein. Know you not that so many as were baptized in Jesus Christ were baptized into His death. Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Man, that is so powerful. Let me just get into verse uh, 1 and 2. It says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Now, this is such a powerful scripture. It says, 
will we continue to sin because we are not under the law? Then he says, no, God will forbid it. God forbids. Now, if you read chapter 5, just before that, it says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. So what it says is, God gave the law so that man could see his sin. The law was basically a mirror in which you could see how sinful you are. When you read the law, there's a consciousness of sin. When you see uh, the cross of Jesus Christ, there's a consciousness of forgiveness. The law demands you to be righteous and Jesus gives you righteousness. The law uh, demands obedience, but Jesus obeys on our behalf and gives us the blessing as if we are obedient. The law demands obedience, but Jesus imputes obedience. And that is the difference. Man, it is so, so good to be part of the New Testament, just to see the unconditional love of God for us. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So what he says is, sin abounds... Because of the law. Now it says here, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? So he just said in verse 20, Where uh, a sin abounded because of the giving of the law, grace abounded much more. Now he says, Shall we continue in sin? Now in context of verse 20 and 21, Shall we continue to stay under the law so that we can see more of our sins? Then he says, God forbids this because when we are in God in Christ Jesus we are set free from the law of sin and death and God starts to live in us now now what he says is um, that we will not continue in sin because the power of the Holy Spirit that is in us will change our lives and change our emotions change our feelings, change the power that works in us, that means He will change that power that says, I must sin now. It's going to change it. God will forbid sin. Under the law, you were the person forbidding sin in your life. When you were under the law, the law said, you know, you must stop to do this, this and this, and you're supposed to do these five things. Now, under the law, you had to use your own effort in order to forbid sin or stop sin in your life. But under grace, you are not using your effort to stop to sin. Under grace, you are using the, uh, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit Himself is forbidding sin in your life. Man, isn't that powerful? That is awesome. If, if I could just stop to preach right there, and you can take that truth out of the Word of God, you can switch off this broadcast, and you can say, my God, this is almost too good to be true news, and that's the word for gospel. The word gospel in the, in the Bible was not, was not ever translated from the Greek. The word gospel means nothing to us if we just say gospel. If I go to somebody in the street and I say, uh, what does the word gospel mean? They're going to say, I don't know. But if I say, what does the word good news mean? Or, almost too good to be true news. Now, that is the word for gospel. It, and it's never been translated. In Afrikaans, it's called the word evangelie. I mean, the word evangelie means nothing to an Afrikaans person if I tell him, give me the breakup of that word, what it really means. They don't know. Because it was just, um, now I don't know how to say that in English, but in Afrikaans, it's an anglicisme. Taken from Greek. Now, what the word gospel or evangelie means 
is simply almost too good to be true news. That's what it really means. Now, the almost too good to be true news is this, that under the law, you had to stand against sin. But under grace, because of the obedience, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ on my behalf, God forbids sin in my life. And this is what he says, and this is the way God forbids sin, according to verse 4. Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism into death. And that's why we are baptized in water. When we are baptized in water, we say, I 100% identify myself with Jesus Christ. I go under the water, identifying with His death, saying to everybody publicly that I believe that I have died with Christ. And when you come out out of the water, you say that as Jesus was raised up out of the dead, out of death, He was taken up into heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, righteous forevermore. In the same way, I stand up in newness of life. That's why it's not a shame to be baptized. It's a glorious thing. What an honor to be baptized in water because you identify yourself with the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ in baptism. Hallelujah. So many times baptism was seen as a wrong thing, seen as something that I must do in order to be obedient to God. And if I don't obey um, and be baptized, then God's going to be upset with me. Now, you don't have to be baptized in water in order to go to heaven. You don't have to be baptized in water in order to be righteous before God. But when we are baptized, it's something physical we do just like with communion. When we take that bread and eat it, it speaks of something and it does something in our hearts and in our faith. Baptism baptism has got nothing to do with God. It's got everything to do with your heart. If you get baptized or not, that doesn't change God because you are not saved by baptism. You are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Um, It's just like giving, uh, finances. Giving doesn't influence God, but it does influence your heart because in your heart you say, um, I've, I, I'm a giver and I've given and when you see your deed of giving that deed preaches to you and tells you what you already know in the word of God it's the same with baptism when you are baptized that is something that preaches to you it tells you when you were, went under the water I went under that water and I identified with the death of Jesus in the same way I came up out of that water and I stood up in newness of life Amen. That doesn't happen with a baptism. It happens prior to the baptism. But that's the sign of being part of the kingdom of God. And that was also the custom of all the New Testament believers identifying with Jesus in that way. And I thank God for baptism that time because it shows what the people preached. Because the Bible says when you baptize, you forever preach this good news. Amen. Now, this is what it says. It says, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Talking about a life that is not full of sins. So how will we walk in newness of life, a life that's not full of sins? We will walk in a newness of life, a life not full of sins, by the glory that raised Jesus from the dead. Now, You cannot change your life by your own efforts. It's impossible. 
if you want to try to get rid of fear in your life, and you say, well, I'm going to get rid of fear by trying hard not to fear, you are just fooling yourself and all those around you, and that can make a mockery out of Christians. And, and that is exactly what's happening today. Many people are mocking Christians because they are trying to live holy and they're not getting it right. And the reason why many people don't get it right and in the areas of my life and in your life where you're not getting it right is the area where you are not focused on the resurrection power of Jesus. Is the area where you are not mindful of what He does in you but where you are mindful of what you must do for Him. And that's what is going to bring frustration into your life. And that's what, what's going to make it look as if Christianity is not working. But in Christianity, the power of the gospel is the most powerful force known unto man. And it is the most powerful force in existence. It's the unconditional love of God, not conscious of sins, but conscious of Jesus Christ, where He looks at you from a perspective of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, where you are in the righteousness of God and not your own righteousness. Man, that is so powerful. It says here, For we have been planted together in the likeness of His death. We shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection, knowing this, that the old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that from now on we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is free from sin. Now if you be dead with Christ, we believe that you shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dies no more, death has no more dominion over Him. For in that He died, He died unto sin once, but in that He lives, He lives unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord, and I want to add that there, that was resurrected on our behalf. <laughs> Hallelujah. Man, that is so, so powerful. Now, if we go through that, let's just go through that slowly. It says, knowing this, that the old man was crucified, and last Sunday I said, the old man is not just the sinful man. The old man was the man that seeked righteousness through obeying the law. In the eyes of Jesus, there's just two men. The man that seeks righteousness by his works, and the man that's made righteous by the obedience of Jesus. That's all. There's no other men before God. Now, you are either in one of those two categories. God sees you individually, definitely. It's not that God doesn't see you individually. He sees you as an individual. The Bible says, he, um, He's woven you in your mother's womb. You've been woven together by God. God knows you even before you were born, individually. He knows you by name. That's what the Bible says. But, all men on, in this planet is under two categories. Either are you righteous by your works, or are you in the righteousness of God? That's all. Now, the old man, the, and there were two men. The old man, the man before Jesus came, was the man that said, I'm going to be righteous by my works. And even today, there's an old man in every person, because there's been a time in the lives of everybody when he seeked righteousness by his own works. 
And that man had sinful deeds flowing out of that sinful way of thinking about God. I'm going to be righteous before God by what I do. That man died when Jesus died. The man that says, by what I do, I'm going to become righteous before God, died in Jesus Christ. You must realize that there was a system implemented by Adam. And we can read that in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. I want to read it to you and I want to just walk you through this because if you can see this, you will know the power of His resurrection. You've been resurrected with Christ and likewise, as Jesus died and as He was resurrected, reckon yourself. The word reckon, um, I think, yeah, the word reckon, it's in verse, let me just get it for you there, in verse 11, means to calculate mathematically. That means to go and make a sum, saying, reckon, like you reckon uh, with your bank, your, your bank account. You reckon how much money you've got there. You reason, you see, you go and look at all the facts. And that's why he says, reckon, go and see the facts that you have already uh, died with Jesus and that you are now resurrected with Him in newness of life. So you don't have an old life anymore. That old life has died in Jesus. It's not active in you anymore. And the way we live holy today is not by trying to obey commandments out of the Bible. The way we live holy today is by an ever-indwelling, ever-powerful, never-dying God that lives in us. His name is Jehovah, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that dwells in us, Jesus dwells in us, through the Holy Spirit, and the life-giving Spirit gives life to your spirit, gives life to your mind, gives life to the way you speak, gives life to the way you think. And that's how we live in newness of life. We don't live in newness of life by trying to be holy. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. And a humble person is a person who believes this. Listen to me, before we read this in Genesis 3. A humble person is not a person that says, step on me and I'm going to say nothing. That's not a humble person, that's a foolish person. A humble person is a person who says, I agree with what Jesus Christ says, doesn't matter what who says. To the point where you become as humble as what Paul was and where he said, I boast in the Lord Jesus Christ. I have been made righteous. I am holy. My sins are forgiven. That's true humbleness. Humbleness is not quietness. Last night we, uh, um, I spoke to uh, my wife and my mother-in-law. We had a wonderful discussion about um, just the word and humbleness and a lot of things. And, and we said it last night. We said humbleness is not just being quiet. And saying nothing. That's not humbleness. That's being quiet and saying nothing. Humbleness, according to the Word of God, is humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. That says, Lord, I bow my knee to your great work. If you say that you've died for me and that I am dead in you and I'm not dead in trying to live right, 
then, my God, that's the way it is. If your word says, by your stripes I'm healed, it doesn't matter if I feel pain in my body, it doesn't matter if, if I feel a sickness in my body, it doesn't matter if the doctors say I've got cancer, I don't agree with the doctor, I agree with God. Yes, the fact is that I've got a, a cancer in my body, but the truth about the cancer that's in my body is this, that that cancer was paid for in the cross of Jesus Christ because the Bible says that He carried my infirmities. Yes, but Bertie, you are not healed right now and you say the Bible says by the stripes of Jesus you are healed. Yes, but I'm not going to become high-minded and start to argue with God. If God said that I'm healed by His stripes, I humble myself and I say I'm a humble person, I agree, I'm the healed of God. Amen. The Bible says that he was rich, he became poor, that we through his poverty might be made rich. And then you might not drive the best car. You might be somebody that walks where you want to be. You don't have a car. You don't have anything. You don't own a house. You are poor in the standard of this world. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to say, oh well, I'm poor. I don't know what's wrong. Oh Lord Jesus, there's something wrong with me. It must be because of some sin somewhere in my life. I'm not going to get onto that tangent because that is foolishness. I'm going to stay humble. Stay in agreement with God. You know, like I said and I've testified, when we moved down here in December, we had to set up the studio. Um, we, had, we had to pay all the fuel and everything to come down. We had so many costs. And in that time, a great amount of money that comes in every month, people used to go on holiday with. And that meant that we ran short. But in that time, I didn't go around saying, uh, well, yeah, you know, we are poor. I just said the truth. I said, oh, I, I stated the facts. Excuse me. I stated the facts, the simple fact that says, yes, there is not money in the account. And I wasn't trying to, like most uh, people say about the charismatics, just ignore the fact. No, there was a fact. That fact was, there was not enough money in the bank account. But I didn't keep my eyes off the truth. The truth is that I am rich in Jesus Christ. And maybe it is not manifesting now, but in due time it is going to manifest and it will be there. For he was so serious about our prosperity that he was willing to become poor so that we through his poverty might be made rich. Hallelujah. And I'm going to humble myself before God and not say, yes, but what about those and what... And that's a thing that we've got in the world today and, and where many Christians are bogged down with this and I, please, I don't want you to have this in your life. So many times we say, you know, uh, uh, the Bible says that Jesus Christ came to, to make us rich. And then you might say, but what about all the poor people in the world? Now, that's not your problem. That's God's problem. Don't make God's problem your problem. What you have is the Word of God and what you have is the truth of God. And what you do is you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And you reckon yourself as God says in His Word, you should reckon yourself. The Bible says that He died on our behalf and reckon yourself dead in His death. In the same way the Bible says in Second Corinthians 8 verse 9 when it comes to finances, that he became poor. So reckon yourself as poor in Jesus. But thank God that he was not just poor and he stayed poor. He then was resurrected. 
into all prosperity, into all wealth, into all blessing. And then it says, reckon yourself also resurrected with Christ into what He has today. <laughs> Hallelujah! So, if the whole world is uh, 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 poor, it doesn't mean that I'm going to say, yeah, but you know, this is not going to work for everybody. I can't preach this in the squatter camp because what about all those poor people that are jobless? 60% of them are jobless. I'm not going to make God's problem my problem. God solved the problem by doing what He did in Jesus. And as people believe that, the supernatural power of God manifest and those people are changed, their life changed, they get a job, they can live and they can have what the Bible says we should have. Now the Bible calls a rich person, let me just define being rich, the Bible calls a rich person somebody that has got more than clothes and food. That's what he said to Timothy. He said, Timothy, be happy with food and clothes and that's it. Now I tell you there are and, and I, like I said, and I said it many times in the broadcast, I asked God, God, why do you say that we should be happy with so little? And the Lord says, it's so that everybody can know they are rich. Because as a man believes in his heart, so is he. Hallelujah. There's a sick thing in the world today. We are measuring ourselves with the Joneses. Always looking at what the neighbor drives, and then measuring the prosperity that God gave me upon the cross through what somebody else possesses. I'm never going to measure myself with what somebody else possesses. Let people drive what they want. Let them wear the clothes that they want. But where I measure myself is according to what the Word of God says. The Word says if you've got clothing and food, be happy with it. And guess what? I've got much more than clothing and food. I've got the studio where I sit here and broadcast. I've got the cameras. I've got everything that God has blessed me with. We got blessed with a house. We got blessed with cars. God has blessed us. I've got a wonderful wife. I've got healthy children. I've got so many things that I can be uh, uh, happy for. So I definitely see myself as a very, very rich man. And so you are supposed to see yourself. Because the Bible says, reckon yourself as Jesus is. He stood up in newness of life, not in poverty. He stood up in grace. Hallelujah. He stood up in resurrection power where He is forever prosperous today. Where He is forever healthy today. Where He is forever righteous today. Amen. Now let's bring this whole thing, take it from finances and bring it from finances and healing and bring it into righteousness. You might commit a sin today. Is that now to say that you're not righteous? No ways. You are righteous because of the resurrection of Jesus. Now, not just the resurrection. You are righteous because of His obedience on your behalf. Your, His death on your behalf. And then all of that was sealed forevermore in what He stood up into because He has got an endless life above death today. So you are righteous reckoning yourself in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ as dead and as alive unto God. I'm not dead in the eyes of God. I'm alive unto God. You are alive unto God. And please, I want to say this. Whenever I say I am, I am, I'm not talking about um, look at me, the big eye. When I say I am, you are supposed to say I am. Talking to, talking to yourself. Saying you are. You are. You are. It's the same. For that, the same truth is for everybody in the Word of God. Hallelujah. Now, 
what I want to say in Genesis chapter 3 um, is that a, a system came into this world that brought death. Now, there was a tree in the middle of the garden called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, if you eat of the tree of knowing good and evil, you are going to die. Now, the way in which Adam and Eve ate of this tree was the following. They ate of that tree from the perspective of, if I know good and evil, then I will become like God. Now, God had no issue with people becoming like God. For the Bible said He, prior to them committing sin, already created them in His likeness and in His image. The Afrikaans word, and I've said it so many times, is the word gelijkenis. Gelijkenis is like equality. We weren't God, but we were like God because God indwelled us. There was Adam, immortal, never dying, sinless, righteous, a ruler over the planet earth and all of that. That's how God made Adam, in his likeness. But then Adam said, if I eat of the tree of knowing right and wrong, I can be like God, not because God indwells me, but because of my own good works. Because then I will know good and evil. And out of knowing good and evil, I can become very wise, I can clothe myself, and I can be righteous in my own power. And the moment he ate of that evil tree, he died. He died. And we should not reckon ourselves as uh, just descendants of Adam. In our physical bodies we are, but not in, uh, in faith towards Jesus Christ. We are descendants of Christ, for we are born again. Hallelujah. We are born of Jesus. So if we are born of Jesus, we have what He has. We've got His nature, His spirit, His power, and we are righteous because of Jesus. Amen. Isn't that so, so powerful? So, He ascended on high. Why did He ascend it on high? So that He could give gifts unto men, even unto those who are rebellious, so that He could live amongst them. Man, that is so powerful. Let's just read this again. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Why do we have this preaching about sins all the time in churches today? Why do we have this thing in our life, whenever we read the Bible, we see our sin and our shortcomings? Why do we always, when we see another person serving God, feel inferior and we see our shortcomings? We have been freed from sin. We've been freed from our shortcomings. So why do we see it? The only reason why we see it is because we don't identify ourselves 100% in the death of Jesus and in the resurrection of Jesus. That's why. Now, if you be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Now, when He died my death, I believe that I died unto sin and that the law has got no more hold on me. Sin has got no more hold on me. I'm forever righteous before God. Like the Bible says in 1 John 3 verse 10 that we cannot sin because His seed remains in us. Now, according to the law, you will always sin. Now, always is a strong word. As long as what you don't have a resurrected immortal body, as long as what Jesus hasn't come back, you will always find yourself um, sinful before the law. Because there will be something that you do wrong somewhere. And that's what Paul said. <clears throat> okay, so, um, before the law you will see yourself as sin. But because of Christ indwelling me, I cannot sin. It's impossible. 
It's impossible for me to be a sinner before the eyes of God because the seed of God, which is the Word of God, indwells us, which is also the Holy Spirit of God, indwells us and we are forever righteous before God. Amen. That's what it says. Now, if you be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ being dead from being raised from the dead, dies no more, death has no more dominion over him. Hallelujah. For, in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he lives, he lives unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin, therefore... Why? Because I reckon myself uh, uh, as dead unto sin, alive unto God, and because God indwells me, and because of what Jesus has done, reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it and the lust thereof. So let not sin reign in your mortal body. Now, listen to me. There's, there's a revelation in here that you can only see from the perspective of grace which I want to share with you. He says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey sin and the lust thereof. So, sin is called here, not the law, but thinking that you are justified by your works. We must go back to verse 19 and verse 20. It says, um, verse, verse, verse 20 says, Moreover the law entered that the offense or that sin may abound. So don't let sin reign in your body by being under the law. So that you should obey the lust of sin, which is, um, that you should obey the lust of sin, and the knowledge of sin is by the law. That's what the Bible says. It says where there's no law, there's no sin. And the knowledge of sin is through the law. So what it says here is, let not sin reign in your body. How will you have sin to reign in your body? Two ways. Number one, by staying under the law message of do's and don'ts, and I will mention some of the law uh, uh, ways in the New Testament right now, and uh, staying in unbelief towards Jesus. Some of the law things today is, go on this course for five days and then you're going to feel better. Now that is just nonsense. (laughs) That is killing yourself. Going on this course and that course and that course and that course. Listen, if you, you can go on as many courses as what you want, but if it's not the good news of the unconditional love of God, which I'm preaching to you today, and I also believe there's many other preachers preaching this message of grace this Sunday. If that's not what is ministered on that course, you are entering more into sin. And the passion of sin will be powerful in you and you obey the lust of sin. I've seen it so many times. You know, these days, <laughs> they've got a course. You get a course where you go on to um, how, you know, some, something about how to get delivered from things in your life that you want to be delivered from. And then you're so happy in this course, then you must go on to another course that, where they teach you how to come home that you don't frustrate um, your husband or wife that has not been on the course. Man, what a lot of nonsense. Now, I'm sorry that I'm so blunt about this and straightforward about this, but these are things that frustrate people, man. These are things that are keeping people out of life. Now, I'm not saying that we should not have a course. If you've got a course on the righteousness of God, 
which, where you teach people righteousness, man, that's fine. But there are courses that all revolves around what we must do for God to get out of our problems. Courses on how we must humble ourselves by just trying to pre- prepare ourselves for one day with the King and then I will be qualified before Him because I've prepared myself in a long way now trying to live holy, trying not to be angry, trying not this. That, that is just a lot of lies. It's just, the, it's just the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in modern terms. That's all it is. It's not producing life. I want to invite you to a life of abundance in Jesus I want to invite you today to a life where you can say, I reckon myself as already dead. That means that I've already been found guilty and I've paid my sins. I've paid for my sins. Now, you can't pay for your sins. Just listen to the terminology and be careful what you hear now. And don't run off and say, Barty, say you pay for your own sins. I'm not saying that. Just listen to this. Listen, reckon yourself as dead already. My sins has been paid for. It is just as good as if I have been punished and I have paid for my sins. Now, you have not paid for your sins. Jesus paid for your sins. Reckon yourself as dead unto sin in the same way as if you would have been punished yourself. That's what I'm trying to say. Reckon yourself dead unto sin, but alive unto Jesus Christ our Lord, and let not sin therefore reign in your bodies. Let not sin have its way in your body. In other words, let's not be under the law of Moses anymore. For sin will then start to reign in your body. You're going to (laughs) die. Man, that is the truth. Hallelujah. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness. Now it's talking about sins and committing sins. So the greatest sin there is, is not to believe in Jesus and to think you're going to be righteous through your own works. So I've got good news for you today. There was a man. His name is Jesus. He walked this earth. According to Romans 5.19, he obeyed on your behalf. He died on your behalf. And through the obedience of one, you are made righteous. And then He was resurrected after He died for your sins. And He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And He is called a quickening spirit. A life-giving spirit. Forevermore giving life to whosoever believes on Him. So reckon yourself as righteous today. And don't fall into the modern day Uh, laws, knowledge of good and evil, where you are just going to be frustrated. That's all. Hallelujah. God gives you life, God gives you power, and God gives you peace today. Amen. Now, there can be many of you that are sick today, and I would like to pray for you. There can be people that are struggling financially. I would like to pray for you. I want you to know this. The will of God is that not one should perish, but everybody should be saved. And salvation is greater than just going to heaven. We are saved from poverty. We are saved from our sickness. We are saved from an immortal body into immortality. We are saved from those type of things. And salvation is much greater than just going to heaven. We in this world can receive salvation in many areas of our lives. In the same, maybe in your sickness and in your poverty. So, if you have got sickness in your body, I'm going to pray for you. But I would also like to encourage you to go into WordWell 
and listen to money on the cross. Now that is radical. (laughs) That is so against what we have seen today. All this teaching today. Well, if you tithe, then God's going to bless you. If you sow money, then God's going to bless you. Rolling in the money, throwing the money and all the type of things that we, funny things we do today because we simply don't believe in what has happened upon the cross. That's all. So all I want to tell you is go and listen to those things. It, will, it points to Jesus and the cross in the area of healing. Jesus and the cross in the area of finances. Now you might say, Bertie, why are you just talking about healing and finances, healing and finances? The only reason why I talk about that is because of you and because of people. That's the greatest problems people have today. It's sickness and money. And now people get upset when we talk about being healed and being prosperous through Jesus. But it's their biggest problem. Why can't we apply the cross to the lives of people? And I'm talking about physical problems now. Sickness and, 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 and prosperity. Money. That's the biggest problem. But spiritually, the greatest problem is sin and uh, uh, unrighteousness. The greatest problem is people don't believe they are righteous and they are struggling with sin which has been paid for already. Hallelujah. Amen. And just after the prayer, Elena is going to start the song for us. And um, I want to say this in Web, uh, web Church today, you must log on to Bertie Brits. Uh, and not dynamic uh, web church because I struggle. I don't know why there's something wrong with the computer. Dynamic web church does not want to connect today. Maybe I don't use that account often enough and they've stopped it. I will just reapply or something. But under search, just type in Bathybrits, all uh, small letters, and uh, you will find me. I'll put you on and we can have the cell group afterwards. Let's just pray together. Father, I thank you for everybody that is tuned into web church today. I speak the blessing of God over them. I say you are the righteousness of God. You are the healed of God. Every person that's got sickness in his body today, over his life, I speak the healing power of God. I thank you that faith will arise in his heart, that he can know that you are so good that you've also done this in the cross. I thank they can know that you have risen from the grave, not as a sick person, but as a healthy person. I thank you, my God, for healing over everybody that listens today. I thank you for prosperity over everybody that listens today. And I thank you, above all, the greatest of all, for peace in the hearts of everybody that has listened today. Hallelujah. I also want to just say this to those of you who maybe have never made Jesus your Lord of your life. Maybe you've just known a lot about Jesus, but you've never come to the place where you say, Jesus, I now believe in you, and this which Bertie has preached today, I make that the truth in my life. I receive Jesus as my Savior. And I don't see the law of Moses and works and that as my Savior, but Jesus becomes my Savior in reality today. If you've never done that, you can do that right now. You can just simply pray a prayer from your heart in which you say to the Lord that you do that. Amen. I'm not going to pray with you. I would like you to do that on your own, right there where you are. Know this, like I said in the beginning of the broadcast, that the Lord your God is in the midst of you, a Savior who saves. Hallelujah. Amen. Enjoy the song as we play out, and then I expect to speak to you afterwards on Web, on, on web Church in the, in the cell group. Thank you, and God bless you. <laughs> 